Bitcoin. Welcome to another POW market update. My name is Anson Leonard. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, what a wild couple days here we've had. The price has just exploded north. Um, I was had the pleasure to be on Andy Hoffman's show and then Meister's show. Um, <clears throat> love love being on those guys' show. They, they are big names in space. I'm very niche in my little audio world here, but it, it was fun. The big news for this week, obviously, was the price. And if you were watching my Twitter feed at BTCMRKTS, I tweeted out right when we were pushing up on the top of this $12,000 mark. And I was saying, I said that the longer that we push on this $12,000 price, the higher the pop will be. And we spent about a day, maybe a day and a half pushing on that $12,000 price. And it was released. The pressure was released and we went sky high. Um, <laughs> of course, no one can call the tops. And people like myself probably closed their longs too early, but, uh, it was it, geez, blow through fifteen thousand, blow through seventeen thousand. GDAX almost touching nineteen thousand, right? Or did touch nineteen thousand? Just crazy. Um, also, just to note, GDAX did pull back thirty percent from that high, so they hit. Uh, and I tweeted that out too. So you guys definitely need to be following that uh, BTCM or KTS uh, there on Twitter. Let's see my tweet from the other day. Um, okay, so GDAX hit 19,697 was their high, and they pulled all the way back to 13,788, um, and that is like 30.001%. I mean, almost to the dot, 30% pullback on GDAX. So we always talk about these big rallies with a 30 to 40% correction. Well, there's your 30% correction. Will that bottom hold? I don't know. We'll have to see here. I, I don't think that it's going to hold, but I don't think that we're done with this rally either. Um, CBOE is starting trading tomorrow night. That's the 10th. I think it's 5 p.m. Central Time in the United States. I have to. That could be 5 p.m. Eastern Time, but they are going to be starting trading at that time, and we'll see what happens. Now, if you saw me on the Meister Show yesterday, I tried to get across what I think is happening here. And so I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about this. I think, okay, so imagine we have these futures markets and the CME and the CBOE, they've gone out and they've talked to these likely participants that are going to be playing in the futures here. Um, and most of them are wanting to go long to get exposure to Bitcoin via this, this futures contracts, via the futures contracts. Well, uh, because, you know, Wall Street doesn't fight trends. A lot of people are looking at, for a corollary here with gold, where gold has just been pummeled by these futures products. But that is a very unique situation. Okay, they were in the 70s, they were trying to, uh, you know, control the price of gold, use the price of gold as another monetary policy instrument, which I think they still do. You know, if they want to uh, show that their dollar strong, they have to control the price of gold because if gold doubled in price, that would tell the whole world that the dollar is bullshit. So that controlling the price of gold is just another monetary instrument. So the, the uh, central bank has two monetary They have interest rates and they have gold price. But Bitcoin doesn't work in there. And how do they control the, the, the Bitcoin price uh, if they don't own any Bitcoin? Uh, with gold, they own all the gold. 
right? All the gold is centralized. So that, that kind of argument, I don't think they're going to short the crap out of these things. And so this, the CME shopped around and they said, oh man, we have say $50 million in interest to go long in these products. Who's going to take the short side? Because you can't, uh, on futures, you, it's a contract between a short and a long. Every contract. So if you want to go long, you got to find somebody that wants to go short. Well, if everybody's wanting to go long, who takes the short side? I think it's going to be these market makers, the, the exchanges themselves, or, you know, closely related entities. So if you want to go, and you know, the, the exchange gets the money, the CME makes their money from the fees on the contracts. I don't know how much it is. I mean, a contract is five Bitcoins. So, you know, anywhere between like 70 and uh, $100,000. And so they could charge you $100 a contract or something. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But um, so they make their money on fees. So they want this volume. They want shorts to come in. They want to get you know, have these longs be able to have a contract. So what do they do? They play the short side. And if you are just being a market maker, you are just there to add liquidity. You're not actually wanting to go short. You don't actually think the price of Bitcoin will go short, go down, but you want to provide the liquidity. How do you hedge yourself? Well, you buy Bitcoins. So if you're going to provide liquidity for, say, 5,000 Bitcoins, in, so 1,000 contracts on CME, you're going to have to own 5,000 ounces or, Jesus, 5,000 real bitcoins because as your real bitcoins go up in value your contracts are going down in value and you're hedged and the difference is the fee that you're getting from the customer okay so those are the market makers i think that have been out there accumulating they're accumulating simply to provide liquidity on their own exchange and i don't know how the rules are there i don't know if that is uh, frowned upon if that's illegal uh, it's possible maybe that's the way the these all these markets work, but uh, I, I totally see that as what's happening here. So we have a CBOE coming in. Um, they, I'll touch on them a little bit, but we could see that you know maybe last week market makers for CBOE were buying up. Now this week, uh, coming week, then maybe the CME market makers are going to be buying up. And then when the Nasdaq comes out, now they've said they might delay uh, to like the second half of the year or something. They they just want to see what happens here with CME and. Uh, the Japanese are supposed to be working on something. So each market that comes open, there's going to be people that buy right before that to head, to be able to be market makers and hedge their shorts. Now, how do you hedge your longs? That's that you have to go short BTC somehow, and you can't sell BTC that you don't have. So I, I don't know exactly how they're going to hedge their longs. Uh, so guys comment, uh, Hit me up on Twitter or comment down here, down below, and uh, wherever you find this, and tell me what you guys think about how do you hedge your longs? How are you going to go short in a massive way, right? I know I understand that you can hedge different ways on these uh, different exchanges out there right now, but in a major way for these institutional players, how do they hedge their longs? I guess just cash or something. Anyway, so that's what I think is going on. But let's get into some fundamentals here and the prices and all of this. All right, right now, Bitstamp, four, uh, 14500 That makes uh, a Bitcoin Finny $1.45. And remember, I'm watching this because it's easy to see how a $1 Finny goes to 2 goes to 3 goes to 4 
But when you're talking thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, it gets a little dizzying up there at those heights. Even for these long-term Bitcoin holders, not even talking about the noobs that are coming in, but and the beginners, it is very hard for even long-term people to grasp being up here at five digits because there's a big difference between ten thousand and ninety thousand. But it's all in the five-digit range. Um, but there's not that much difference between like 100 and 900. That's much easier to comprehend for people. Once you start getting these larger valuations, um, it becomes much harder, especially if you own more than one Bitcoin. Um, you know, you own, say you own uh, 21 Bitcoins, then you're dealing with these large numbers gets a little bit harder. Um, anyways, okay. So that's why I talk about one Finny. And remember, you can go on Coinbase and you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin if you want to. Uh, I recommend going onto uh, Square or local Bitcoins. Local Bitcoins, you probably have to buy in higher volume, obviously. But go onto Square, go onto uh, Coinbase, maybe, and see if just dabble with a few finnies. You know, put get a hundred finnies, hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin. All right. All right. The Mayor multiple is at three point one. Uh, that means the two hundred day moving average compared to the price. Um, actually, it's the price over the 200-day moving average, and that is up from 2.6 on my last show. Uh, the actual price of the 200-day moving average is 4,661. Three-month futures. This is the traditional crypto futures. So the crypto deliverable futures. They are doing really well. $15,060, so a $500 premium on there. Um, these paper futures, I think they are going to be much higher than that. I think that they are going to be like, man, they could be 10 to 20% higher than the actual Bitcoin price, the spot price. It's it's going to be nuts. All right. Um, and then I had this Bitcoin dominance price where I was adding together all the forks. But you know what? Uh, at this point, Bcash is not keeping up. They're falling off. Bgold is not keeping up. They're falling off. So they're going to be an increasingly small number. We haven't seen a lot of new forks Um you know, that I have noticed that are worth uh, cashing out or uh, uh, dumping. So I'm just going to drop this, this whole Bitcoin dominance price. I don't really care about the dominance index because all the mind share, all the network effects are concentrated in Bitcoin. That's where all the power is. That's where the revolution is happening. It's not freaking happening in CryptoKitties, people freaking the number two network was taken down this week by crypto kitties let that sink in we're here with bitcoin hunkered down talking about nation state attacks and what is ethereum doing they're taken down by crypto kitties ridiculous to even compare these two things you know the memes have come out where you see jameson lop with his with his uh ar and you see uh, Vitalik with his kitty purse. Like that is what we're talking about here. We have freedom fighter revolutionaries, peaceful revolutionaries, peaceful freedom fighters. These are freedom fighters fighting with math to protect you and to protect your children and their children, obviously. And then you have somebody dancing on stage with a unicorn headband on. Who's going to protect you? Who do you want to get behind? If you're out here to make uh, a quick buck yeah you're gonna join those unicorn people see why all the scammers they consolidate onto ethereum and icos and things bitcoin is real those scammers are scared of reality of uh danger and bitcoin is very dangerous 
and it's very freaking sexy. That is where this paradigm is shifting. It's not shifting with CryptoKitties. I don't even want to say the name Ethereum anymore. I just want to call it CryptoKitties because it took down the network. And they get hacked and there's bugs everywhere. Bitcoin. Uh, okay. I'll have another little rant later on, I think, about transactions. But let's go on to market cap. So Bitcoin's market cap, $249 billion worth that's what the network is worth. That's what all the Bitcoins out there are worth $249 billion. It's incredible. Just shy of 250. That's like this. We passed 250 over the last uh, few days now. Obviously, we pulled back under that. But these are milestones, right? So we had we, the milestone of 100 billion. We passed that. Now we can see all this interest that's coming in. Now we're passing a milestone of a quarter of a trillion dollars. Up next is half a trillion. 0.75 trillion a trillion dollar market cap. That's very close. That's only two doubles away. <laughs> right. So anyways, um, global market cap for Bitcoin, that's including these altcoins is $413 billion. So that leads to a maximalist price of $25,528. And remember on this maximalist price, it's including, it's as if you take all of the value in crypto and you divide it by the outstanding bitcoins that's where i get this maximum price and that is a stretch goal that's somewhere we can be and i've been calling it this for six months now that is a stretch goal and we've kept on hitting these stretch goals bitcoin is just a monster it's going after uh, all this value sucking in all this value average on-chain transaction value for bitcoin so that's the average value of a transaction that's made on the blockchain it it destroyed the ten thousand dollar mark I think it was up to eleven or twelve thousand dollars last couple of days, but right now, over the last twenty-four hours, it's ten thousand eight hundred and nineteen dollars. Just huge. It's not a coffee transaction medium, people. It's not. That's all you can say about. It. Uh, okay, so the dollar value transact the total dollar value transacted on chain of the last twenty-four hours was four point eight billion. Difficulty. Uh, the this oh man. So this last difficulty change that we had was plus eighteen percent. Huge. Huge vote of confidence in the light of Bcash, in the light of, um, you know, starting on this bull market. Is this a bubble, et cetera, et cetera, uh, or not starting on this bull market, but continuing this bull market. Uh, is this a bubble? 18% This the difficulty increased. Of course, I say that the difficulty is a lagging indicator. We had some dynamics um, go on there with the Bcash fork, but 18% uh, uh, is well overdue. And I think we're going to see another double-digit increase. My sources are saying about uh, about a ten percent increase for this next next difficulty adjustment, which would be awesome. Nothing is stopping the Bitcoin's price. Its share of the SHA two fifty six mining will continue to increase. That and I, I mentioned SHA two fifty six. That is the algorithm that these specialized computer chips were designed to work on. Bitcoin for the noobs out there, obviously. Bitcoin um, runs, these miners run what's called an ASIC chip. And these chips are made specifically for one task. And that is to crunch this specific SHA-256 algorithm. But if there's more than one coin that uses this, this algorithm, then you split the available hash rate to these different coins. Um, and Bitcoin, there, there are multiple coins on SHA-256 but they all have had minuscule hash rates, like less than 
one tenth of one percent compared to Bitcoin until Bcash and Bcash took um, at some points a majority of the hash rate for very short periods of time. But average about between 10 and 15 percent of the hash rate has gone to Bcash and that is continually declining as Bitcoin's price increases and Bcash's price decreases. I hope that makes sense. Um, of course, as the difficulty just so Bcash difficulty goes down, Bitcoin's difficulty goes up. And slowly but surely, we're going to get Bcash down to one tenth of one percent of Bitcoin's difficulty. That's just how it's going to happen. There can be only one on each algorithm. All right. And that that's a lot of that is due to, you know, Bcash's insistence on transactional demand. They think that people really want to fucking use this for their coffee. They don't. So if the price, if, if, if you're wanting to use something to spend on coffee for $5, but tomorrow it could be fifth, it could be $10 or seven fifty. Are you going to spend that today? Because then you have to go back through the fiat system, through the on-ramp to replace that Bcash that you just spent. So you have a choice with Bcash. You have a choice with these transactional currencies. If you want transactions to happen, you have to target a lower price. You have to keep, you have to target a stable, low price. If you want Bcash to go to 15,000, nobody's going to spend it. And then your narrative is going to be all messed up. You have to forego on the transactions to incentivize holding to get the price. That's just the way it is. There's no route for them to go. Like using a a million people using Bcash for coffee is not going to pump the price to 10,000, 15,000, 20,000. People delaying their purchase and holding will get it to 10, 15,000. I mean, there's no upward momentum. There's no upward impetus behind the Bcash price, behind these transactional currencies like Dash and all these things. The only reason why they have this, this increase in price is because of marketing and more people will buy and hold it, not spend it. They get the price increase from holding. You don't get a price increase from spending. God dang it, man. Where was I? Jesus. Okay. So difficulty, um, miners have a long outlook on this because you know they have capital expenditure they're, they're planning nine months a year maybe two years out what their strategy is what their investment is going to be you know we're going to invest next march we have our next big investment in miners or um you know because we think the price is going to be x by next july so we can invest this much next march whatever the case right so they have this longer outlook than a normal person that's just buying and holding bitcoin um so they, they want to make their projections on a stable, increased value currency. They don't want to make their projections on a pump and dump that goes up to 2800 and back down to 1000 You know, that you can't make long-term projections on these pump and dumps. You make long-term projections on Bitcoin. Plus, don't forget, this is for noobs out there, there is a 100-block wait time. So as um, you mine a block... You have to wait 100 blocks till you can spend that Bitcoin or Bcash. Those are the same rules. All right. Mempool. This is a big developing story over the last couple days. Uh, Take a look at my links in the show notes because when you pull this up, this is specifically on John Ho's or Joe Ho's site, uh, you can see a huge increase in the number of one Satoshi fee 
transactions. It's obviously a spam attack. Obviously. And anybody looking at this, they have to admit that. The size of the mempool got up to uh, about 180 megabytes. That is gigantic. But uh, a huge portion of them, over about 40 to 50 megabytes of those were one Satoshi transactions. Another, uh, what is that, 25 megabytes was two Satoshi transactions. And then about 20 megabytes were five Satoshi transactions. So uh, very, very cheap transactions out there flooding the network, push up the mempool size, slow it down, bog it down. But if you just use a sensible fee, around 100 Satoshis a byte, you're going to get you get picked up within a very short period of time. Right now, this is it's the miners are chewing through these higher value transactions. Um, so it peaked out at let's see, it peaked out at 180 megabytes. It's already back down to 160 megabytes. They're chewing through it. Uh, 100 satoshis or a little bit more will get you confirmed pretty quickly. But if you don't include those. Other, you know, the, the five Satoshis or less per byte, which is ridiculous. That's so ridiculously low. That's like people expecting to send $10,000 average transaction for a penny. Come on. Now, a $10,000 transaction for a dollar, now you're talking. Now you're going to get into a block pretty quick. But a $10,000 transaction for a penny, you're just out there trying to spam the network. That's all there is to it. So that's mempool. OTC, we had, this is another big story. So local Bitcoins had a huge record-breaking week this week. $88.9 million transacted through local Bitcoins. Paxful was right around their high, a little bit back at, at just under $9 million transacted last week. LedgerX, the over-the-counter swaps, they had uh, it, about $4 million. By the end of this week, it'll be $4 million in volume because they still have volume on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, okay, so that means the public OTC, the public OTC data that I use is over 100 million, 101 million dollars transacted OTC Bitcoin this last week. And that's not including other, I did find another Gemini, they have their auction, which is obviously uh, collateralized and you know, you pay for it right there, but they have relatively low volumes. Every once in a while, they'll have a big lot of like 250 Bitcoins that they sell, but usually it's like a fraction, uh, maybe one to five Bitcoins maximum that they, that they auction every day. Uh, so they don't have a ton of volume, but maybe I'll start tracking that as well. But yeah, $101 million transacted OTC. And that's just what we know of. Because like I have been approached so much in the last couple of weeks to sell Bitcoin, not via local Bitcoins, but just, you know, by people, uh, acquaintances of acquaintances that want to buy, buy into Bitcoin. Uh, I could have done, if I sold Bitcoin, I could have done over $100,000 of volume probably uh, in the last week. So uh, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the volume that we don't see is being done by just private parties out there. And that's just me. I mean, think about these big people. Like Charlie Schramm always talks about these big over-the-counter things that he facilitates. Um, that is a lot more than 100, 100 million last week, I guarantee you. All right. If you want to check out this world, I recommend going, I think it's bisque.network. I'll have to find the link there, but download bisque. That's the old BitSquare. Go to make an account at local Bitcoins, packs full, uh, see, uh, just see who's selling, buying in your neighborhood. Uh, 
maybe make a transaction with them just to try it out. This is a very good, very way to, good way to push back on uh, Coinbase, right? D don't recommend Coinbase to people. They're slow, bad customer service. They haven't implemented SegWit after they tried to attack, uh, take over the network and attack the network. So <laughs> Coinbase, do not recommend that. Go with a local Bitcoin seller or something like that. Okay, where are we going now? Let's let's talk a little bit about this transactional demand. I, I touched on this on, on uh, Meister show yesterday. If there was real transaction demand for Bitcoin, like for your coffee and stuff, uh, if there if that was real, if all these fudsters out there were had anything behind their arguments, we would see more than 100 transactions per block on Bcash. We'd see huge uptake of like Dash and Dogecoin, but we don't. We don't. That's how we know that it's it's a lie. This narrative is a lie. People don't want to spend their stock picks on coffee, right? Like, do you invest in Amazon to to go and use it at the coffee store? And I know it's not able to be used, and people might not have that mindset to spend their stocks or their bonds or whatever their other kind of assets that they're holding. But that's what you're talking about with Bitcoin. That's what you're talking about doing with Bitcoin. Uh, of course they don't. They don't want to make an investment into Amazon stock and then slowly spend it at Walmart. So <laughs> there's there's no transaction demand. It's just funny. And and that's one reason why I think that we're going to see a slow uptake of Lightning Network. It will be fast in those areas that they do lots of transactions, like exchange to customer or exchange to exchange, you know, for arbitrage or whatever. And there's going to be lots of use that way. But person to person, uh, person to retailer, you know, merchant, that, that's going to be very slow because there just isn't that demand out there right now. And who knows what kind of applications we're going to see in the future. I bet we see some crazy new kind of application before we see, or like maybe social media type application before we see a application for a real big uptake on retail. That's just my personal opinion um, because we don't see that transactional demand anywhere else. Oh, they're going to altcoins. Look at the price they're buying altcoins. The price of Dash is going up. The price of Ethereum is going up. Everybody's uh, pissed off. At it. It's just so hard to spend Bitcoin. Fees, fees. No, no. Nobody's using Dash at retail. Like maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars a month world fucking wide. Worldwide. What was the volume of local Bitcoins? $88 million. There's no way that people are doing that to spend it. There's no way that people are uh, going to be spending Dash like this or Bcash. There's no transactional demand. Sorry. Now, Lightning Network is freaking cool. That's the way to scale it. I want to see that get implemented by all these people. Uh, there's going to be new applications 
that we don't even know about yet. But I don't think it's going to be for your coffee. <laughs> uh, what else do I have? Okay, let's talk about futures things. So I did talk a little bit about uh, what I think is happening with the accumulation to hedge uh, market maker shorts. Uh, CBOE is going to launch this week. Uh, they're using they're different than the CME. So the CME has this uh, for exchange index. That's their exchange their index price. That's what they use to as their strike price and and all these other things the the settlement price and stuff well cboe is using gemini and i did touch on them earlier about there's just not much volume there so that's kind of troubling to me maybe there's going to be more volume maybe that's how people are going to somehow use like maybe ledger x or gemini to hedge longs maybe that's what they're going to do but yeah that's they're using the gemini auction price and that is much more easy to manipulate right so if i if if the volume of Gemini is only 100 bitcoins a week or a month or whatever, I can go in there and, and set the price, basically. I can go short and then set the price on Gemini. Interesting little difference there. We'll see. But the more products, the better, right? The, the more competition out there uh, in the market for these products, the better. So uh, I'm glad that the CBOE is coming on. I'm glad the CME is coming on. I'm glad NASDAQ wants to do it. And Japan, uh, all, all that stuff is great. Interactive Brokers CEO there or founder, maybe, I don't know if he's a CEO, uh, Pedderfi is back talking about uh, these CME futures again on CNBC. I did play a couple episodes ago. I played a whole five minutes with him uh, on CNBC. This is, he's back and he's talking about, because uh, uh, Interactive Brokers now, they're going to be offering their customers the ability to get into these CME futures, but only on the long side. They're not allowing their customers to short. So there again, you have a lot of uh, demand on the long side, you're going to have market makers on the short side that want to be hedged. They're going to buy, be buying more Bitcoin. It's just a self-reinforcing cycle, right? I love it. I freaking love it. Japanese, again, like I said, I linked to their uh, story about them doing their Bitcoin futures. That's coming shortly. They have, they're have they in a test phase right now, I guess. But uh, some, most people in the know that I read about were saying that very rarely do they test and not launch something. So it's almost the same thing. Uh, some other big news here is Korea, actually. South Korea has come out and said that they are going to uh, preemptively ban Bitcoin futures. So they don't want to go this route of like a cash settled Bitcoin futures. Imagine if that happened. I mean, their their stock market would take a hit. If you guys have been watching the Meister show over this last week, he was in South Korea and how he was talking about they don't care about they don't know anything about these coins. They don't care anything about these coins. All they care about is if it's going to pump. The pump. They care about the pump. And so they'll pile into IOTA. They'll pile into Bcash. They'll pile into these things and pump them to the moon and then sell them. They have no loyalty. They don't care. So what's, what would happen with these Bitcoin futures? Plus, you know, um, he said that the Koreans were fleeing the stock market because they see it as rigged to get into Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, so... You know, these futures would just add more fuel to the fire and maybe they are scared for their actual stock exchange, right? That they will lose all of their retail investors and that would be a bad thing for them. So there, there is that little wrinkle. Korea has banned Bitcoin futures for the time being. Who knows what will happen in the future? All right. Um, another thing I want to address, I did touch on this in Andy's show, I think. I talked about this, stuff, but um, Bitcoin mining is not wasteful. A lot of people, there's this growing narrative out there that Bitcoin mining is bad for the environment, it's wasteful, yada, yada, yada. 
And of course, we see that Ethereum is going to proof of stake. So who knows? They are master. They are master marketers. So maybe they're paying some of these people to come out and be like, "Look, proof of work is really wasteful. We're going to proof of stake." And just a couple months leading up to it, so that when they do drop proof of stake, it's like, "Oh, hallelujah! Ethereum has saved the day again with their crypto kitties <laughs> and their proof of stake." But Bitcoin mining is not wasteful if you understand the economics here. So uh, resource, resources, including electricity, they will go where they're most profitably engaged, where they're most efficiently used. If they could be more efficiently used elsewhere, they would go elsewhere. That's simple. Resources go to where they're most profitably used, period. So you could say that Bitcoin is the most efficient and least wasteful employment of the resource of electricity least wasteful that's where the it's going because it's the most efficient high demand for efficiency in bitcoin will also drive innovation so there'll be more things coming out more energy sources so maybe bitcoin bids out all of these cheaper energy sources and so people are only left with expensive solar expensive wind it's going to push the demand for those higher and push those industries forward right so bitcoin is actually going to push this renewable stuff forward probably i don't know if that's good or bad i mean it's good if it's happening in the free market so more efficiency is reaped by humanity as a whole when bitcoin uses the electricity if that wasn't the case if the market did not benefit from it it would not do it there is no such thing as a market failure Electricity going to Bitcoin is not a market failure. There's no such thing. That's where the power is needed. That's where it's the most efficiently used. It's going to go there as much as demanded. And that uh, the efficiency gains, the innovation gains, all these things, uh, the benefits to humanity will be reaped by all industries. All people around the world will benefit from this. Not just the Bitcoin miners, but Guess what? By you running a Bitcoin miner in your basement, you actually help the people in Africa because you are helping the whole entire world go forward. I'm just saying. Bitcoin mining keeps other wasteful uses of that electricity from happening. It outbids more wasteful things. It makes the economy more efficient. All right, that's all. That's all I have for that. Bitcoin. All right, guys, I'm done for today. Thank you for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to all my patrons. You guys are the greatest. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Probably going to put this up to a $5 minimum because of the new rules on Patreon. I'm also looking at, because they, like if, if for dollar donations, they're charging you like 40 cents to make that. So it's not economically viable at the $2 level, I don't think. So I'm going to put it up to five. We'll see how that affects my supporters. But thank you guys for supporting the show. I'm looking at doing maybe Drip, which is a Kickstarter companion. I'm looking at doing maybe that way instead. There's some other competition that's coming on, so I'll be looking at that. Uh, just a heads up in that direction. Oh, <clears throat> before I go, Andreas. Bitcoin is so toxic, right, people? Look at Andreas getting a million dollars in Bitcoin donated to him because he has sacrificed for humanity by pushing Bitcoin forward. I am so proud to be part of Bitcoin. I love the toxic community. 
I had a tweet a couple months ago where I said, uh, for Thanksgiving, I said, I'm thankful for the toxic Bitcoin community. I am so thankful for you guys. You guys make Bitcoin what it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody out there. Uh, it's God, we're going to all time highs. We're going to break a hundred thousand this year, this or next year. This is just exploding. And it's thanks to great, smart people that have found Bitcoin people, um, you know, freeing themselves from the system, freeing themselves from the mind control of the banks and the governments. So thank you so much, guys. I got to go. We'll see you later. Peace. Thanks, Papa.